everybody, and welcome back to the Kelly Green Hour. As you heard, it's not a victory green hour because the Eagles are 0-2-1 after their tie to the Cincinnati Bengals last week. I'm your host, Elger Hero, and as always, my co-host, Connor, is joining me. Connor, what's going on, buddy? Oh, well, <laughs> we're living the life of an Eagles fan. The uh, it's 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 been tough this year, and, and when you play to tie the Bengals... Yeah, you you know you're reaching an all time low. You know you're grasping yeah. at straws for for trying to you know be positive and and speak positive about the Philadelphia Eagles right now. Yeah, I was. Uh, that's something we wanted to talk about the cowardly move at the end of the game uh, against the Bengals in overtime by Doug Peterson. Um, before we get started, uh, I wanted to thank all our listeners. I mean, we've had a good couple of weeks with our segments. Um, thank you all for listening. Keep listening. And rate and review us wherever you listen to us, whether it's on Apple, um, Anchor, Speaker, doesn't matter. Wherever you're, wherever, um, you're listening to us, please rate and review us. If you uh, give us any suggestions, maybe if something you want us to talk about, um, you can send us, send us a DM on Twitter, at Kelly Green Hour. Um, or if you wanted to reach out personally to either one of us, I'm at LJHarrell54. Connor's at Connor10. That's Connor T-E-N. Uh, we're more than welcome to to take any and all suggestions and how we can improve segments and what we can add to segments. But we do thank everybody for listening, and please rate and review our show. Yeah, absolutely. We have had a really good couple weeks, and we love all the the love and the listens that we're getting. That's for sure. And we can't thank our partner enough. We recently partnered with for this season and probably beyond Definitely. Sports Talk Philly at Sports Talk PHL or Sports Talk Philly dot com. Uh, on the web, we can't thank uh, Frank Close enough for reaching out to us mm-hmm. and allowing us to become a partner for such a great brand that is growing in amongst the Philadelphia sports community so definitely can't thank and Philly ball Paul Paul Bowman can't thank him enough either he's the editor for the Philadelphia Eagles side of it and the Philadelphia Eagles page recently got shut down by Twitter so follow the new page at STP Eagles um, so that they can get the following back up I think they were up around like 5,000 followers and they completely lost it and Twitter is a pain in the ass to get a hold of right now because of COVID so uh, they just created a new page so definitely check those sites out and give those Twitter handles a follow yeah definitely so follow everybody and then again we do appreciate everybody listening to the Kelly Green Hour we are working on uh, getting guests too for future for future episodes, so just stay tuned for all that. Now, let's talk about the Philadelphia Eagles. Yes, we went from a high note. Now we're going back down low. Uh, the Eagles tied the Bengals. Yes, you heard that right. Tied the Cincinnati Bengals. What was the score? Twenty three, twenty three. Twenty three, twenty three. That's how bad. It, that's how bad it was. I tried to to get it out of my mind. Um, <clears throat> the only you know, I'm going to start with a positive for it. The last time the Philadelphia Eagles tied a game was the Cincinnati Bengals back in 2008, I think. And, <clears throat> excuse me, and that tie helped them clinch a playoff berth. The Eagles are a half game. This is how bad the NFC East is, by the way. Granted, Dallas has played the, the hard part of their, quote unquote, hard part of their schedule. Um, but as we mentioned in the offseason, Connor, Dallas can score all those points, but that defense can't stop anybody. So they're, they're also a bad football team. Um, the Philadelphia Eagles are a half game out of first place with an 0-2-1 record. If the Philadelphia Eagles beat the San Francisco 49ers this weekend and Dallas loses to Cleveland and Washington loses, guess who is in first place in the NFC East? Your Philadelphia Eagles. This is what we've come to right now. We have to root against, which we normally do, but we have such little faith in the Philadelphia Eagles right now at this point in time that I've come to rooting for Dallas Cowboy opponents because they typically win. And But, you know, obviously, I mean, we saw what happened last year with the Philadelphia Eagles, how they, they started off bad, won four in a row at the end and won the division. So, obviously, the season is not over. But with the tough part of the schedule coming up at San Francisco, at Pittsburgh, Baltimore, these next three games are going to be very telling for the NFC East because Dallas has a very easy, much easier schedule over the next three weeks. Yeah, I think uh, it's been said that we, I think I tweeted out earlier this week, we have the hardest schedule 
remain in going forward in the NFL. So yeah. not in the NFC. I don't know why you give it the respect of it being called the NFC East, by the way. I think it's, it's the NFC, NFC least. least. Yeah. Yeah, um, we are the Bye-bye. joke. We are the joke of the NFL right now as, as far as a divisional standpoint goes. And we kind of knew that. But Cowboys fans thought for sure, and there were some people predicting like like eleven and five and twelve and four records yeah. for the Cowboys. But I think it's become very apparent that that defense is really not good. That defense really is not going to be able to help and or support that offense. Earl, and I don't think signing Earl Thomas would help them. By the way, I, and I think if Dallas thought that way, they would have already signed them. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, Earl Thomas, I guess, is kind of like similar to the Antonio Brand. He got to weigh the pros and cons. Is he going to come in and is he going to be a team player or is he going to come in and be a locker room cancer for them? So, I mean, you do have to weigh those pros and cons for the Cowboys, but it clearly goes to show the Seattle Seahawks are a team super similar. Their defense is the worst by bottom of the league by landslide. And yet they have Russell Wilson, who's putting up points. And then there's the Cowboys and Dak Prescott, who are putting up points, but they can't trust their defense to stop. And apparently Jerry Jones doesn't trust Dak Prescott yeah, either, according to his news show, his radio show. <laughs> but I just got to say, for, for, as from a Cowboys perspective, if you have Jerry Jones on radio, and I know it's been said a lot this week, that man cannot have his own radio show. That You got to get that man off of Good the airways. He won't. I know he won't. And it's great because you're pissing Dak Prescott off. And clearly Dak Prescott's probably like, I, and I was, I was talking, yeah, because I was talking on my other podcast uh, with Gymnastic over at Gold Jacket QBs. And we were saying like, if you had have heard that from your owner, I wouldn't even negotiate. I wouldn't even sit down. I'd be like, I want to be the top paid quarterback. You got to pay me more than Patrick Mahomes or I'm piecing out. Mm -hmm. And I would leave and I would get paid less elsewhere. But that's what I would say to Jerry Jones. You pay me like Patrick Mahomes after those words you said, or I'm out because I know someone's going to pay me money. And we all, we like, we love to criticize Dak Prescott and stuff, but he is a viable option as a quarterback. He's better than probably 16 other quarterbacks in the NFL right now. So he's definitely going to go out there. He's going to get a job and that's without a doubt. But if I was him, I would not get a job there. But, um, Back let's to bring it Eagles. back to the Eagles. <laughs> yeah, let's bring it bring it back to the Eagles. I just had to make that comment about Jerry Jones because that man's got to get off the airways. You can't be saying stuff like that. Um, but yeah, the the Eagles game that was rough. That was rough to watch. At no point did I feel confident. At no point in that game did I feel we were doing well. There was very few positives, and the positives came on the de- defensive side. There was a couple on the defensive side of the ball and a couple on the offensive side of the ball, but it seems like the same couple of people week in and week out mm-hmm. giving us positives. Um, but definitely a massive negative is Doug Peterson and what happened to his play call and what happened to his strategy. Maybe the rumors are true that he's losing confidence. Maybe it's true that he's stressing out. He's not focused. He's worried more about his, his job than the actual game on the field. Um, but I am really discouraged by him in, in that situation. You don't trust your defense who had been doing all that work for you and who had been put in, uh, pretty much put in a pretty solid stop on the Bengals doing anything in the second half because I think what they got three field goals. So they pretty much put a kibosh on the Bengals and moving down the field. And you didn't trust Jake Elliott, who's been one of your best players, and that defense. Worst case scenario, they get a bit of a return, but obviously they're not going to get that return for a touchdown. But at least 64 yards, it could have been a magical field goal like – like so the I, like the Giants game a couple in his rookie season. I agree with you. Elliot did say this week though that his 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 max was sixty because that's and because he, he barely hit it in pregame. But I, but when you said talk about the return, if he were to kick the field goal, if I'm the Bengals, I don't return it because the chances of you getting the ball at the at, at the Eagles forty six instead of say getting it at your own twenty. I, I mean I I just let it bounce and you get the ball wherever it was kicked. So I. My my only fear the, the the play that really hurt was Matt um was it Matt Pryor with the off. Well, the there was struck. two. There was two. There was that one, but there was one earlier in overtime too. It was Matt Pryor and was it? It wasn't Nate Herbig. No, who was it? Maybe there was two though. Remember there was the one earlier in the period in the uh, overtime too, and I blame more the one earlier in the overtime than the second one. 
because we should never have gotten that far into the game and to that point where we had to decide between tying or not tying with 20 seconds left. Yeah, I'm with you when it comes to blaming Doug Peterson because he, he definitely took – he didn't trust the offense to get, you know, when it was – Third, when it was third down, didn't they run a, a screenplay and Carson just threw it at the feet of Boston Scott or something? The one right before the the punt, yep. well, the field goal and then the false start and punt. So, like, my thing is, you have a running back that was averaging close to six yards a carry in the game. Why didn't he touch the ball more than twenty times? We talk about how how this offense, the best player on this offense, is Miles Sanders, and I think it's. Every time he's on the field, it becomes more apparent that Miles Sanders is the best player on the offense. Now, was he gassed because he couldn't practice all that much? Possibly. But the fact that he did not get more than 20 carries is, is bothersome to me. He, you know, that first, the first quarter, he had five carries for 46 yards, I think, and had one carry in the second quarter. That is blasphemous. I need you... To him, when your quarterback is struggling, and right now Carson Wentz, while I'm still on the Wentz wagon, Carson Wentz is sh- struggling. And Sunday was a bad day for, for Eagles fans because you flip over to the Bears-Falcons game and you saw what Nick Foles did. And now, you know, the controversy starts up again. Should we have flipped both? Blah, 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 blah. Obviously, I'm not going to get into that because we know where I stand. I know where you stand. But, mm-hmm. you know, if, if your quarterback is struggling, you want to help him out. He's not, you know, can the ball off to your running back. He was struggling throwing the ball downfield. Um, and then, you know, you, you get to where all your receivers are starting. Dallas Goddard's out with a, with a fractured ankle. He's out for a little bit. Deshaun's out with a hamstring. Um, we know Rager's out. Um, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside is useless. And I, 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 I'm at the point where I, I know they're not going to do it, but I would cut bait with him because even if he gets on the field, they don't throw him the ball. And when they do throw him the ball, something bad happens. Um, we're almost at the point where, you know, we all we talked about last in the offseason how the Eagles wanted to trade Alshon. They can't trade Alshon. He's their best option at wide receiver right now when he comes back. Hope, and it's not going to be this week against the Niners, so hopefully it's next week against Pittsburgh. Um, but, like, this week, the Eagles had one healthy receiver at practice, and that was Greg Ward. John Hightower was sick. We all, Quez, Quez Watkins came off of uh, the, three, the, the IR, so they opened up his 21-day window. You know, Deont- So they, they had to go with Travis Fulgham. I think I'm saying his name right. Yeah. Um, you know, Deontay Burnett. Uh, they, uh, Hakeem Butler, who they, who they signed as a tight end off of, uh, was it Arizona's practice Carolina. squad? Carolina. Carolina's practice squad. Like, this, we're at the point. Remember coming into this year, we were talking about, there was all this talk of the Eagles having a 4x100 four by four, four by track meet wide receiver core they have a practice squad wide receiver core again which Carson did win with last year at the end of the year but you know when we come back all this comes back to and what I'm trying to get to all this comes back to Howie Roseman is awful at judging talent and he is killing and and, and there was this big question going around Philadelphia's um, sports radio this week is Carson failing the Eagles or is fa- is is are the Eagles failing Carson Wentz while it's a little bit of both I think the Eagles are failing Carson Wentz they they're they're not judging talent correctly they're not bringing in the the again we can go back to the draft um last year they took J.J. Ortega-Whiteside over D.K. Metcalf you know Mm. and you look at D.K. Metcalf has more touchdown receptions than J.J. Ortega-Whiteside's has career receptions. That's all I'm going to say. I don't, you know, you need a little bit, you need somebody that has that, has that dog in them that, that Brian Dawkins likes to talk about. And that's what DK Metcalf has. I haven't seen an issue with his, his um, personality in Seattle. You know, did he have an issue last week with running the, the, for the touchdown and, and Trayvon Diggs? Not sure, but he's still making plays. We have JJ Ortega Whiteside who can't get on the freaking field. And it's just, Week after week, we just see the lapse in judgment by this executive staff, by Howie Roseman, even by Joe Douglas, because Joe Douglas was here for that time period, and he hasn't done a good job up in, in with the Jets. Um, you know, they, they need to find a way to, to learn how to evaluate talent to help the quarterback, to help the head coach. 
Sorry, yeah, definitely. Sorry for going that tangent. No, no, it's that it's a it's a good tangent. I mean, you look at you look at the talent. You know what? DK Metcalf, I do understand because at the time that he came out, a lot of teams skipped on him because it was the whole is he a combine freak? So I kind of understand where they're coming from. Yeah, exactly. So I kind of understand why he slid, but what made JJ Ortega Whiteside stand out over him? Just the fact that he could do jump balls. He was a catch radius monster, red zone threat. Well, so was DK Metcalf, but DK Metcalf had the speed and stuff to go with it. Um, But, I mean, you talk about DK Metcalf. We also passed on guys like Terry McLaurin, Darius Slate, and also a bunch of other guys who were having success throughout the NFL. So, yeah, like you said, I think, um, and I, I said it last week, and I've said it countless times since the start of the season, this year in the draft, it's time to stop being cute. It's mm-hmm. time to stop thinking, oh, I'm ca- I'm getting this one. This guy's uh, got a fourth. Everyone thinks he's a fourth-round talent, but I know he's a second-round talent. He, you got to stop getting cute. If it's a second-round talent, if it's a consensus thing, you go that way. You take the best player available that, co- it's, that covers a need on the team. Enough trying to get cute, enough trying to think that you're – that you're 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 doing better than other managers or, or that you're sneaking around other managers and getting this this stud that that everybody else grades out as undrafted or like Danelle Pumphrey that grades out undrafted or other people who grade out a lot more poorly among the consensus than what Howie Roseman has them at. It's just enough. Stop getting cute. Look at um look at uh, Daniel Jeremiah's list and follow it. Look at those people who, who scout for a living, who watch film day in and day out, and listen to it. At this point, I'm done with the whole he's trying to get cute because everyone he's tried to get cute with is on somebody else, in a, is on another team or another practice squad or somewhere else that is not a, a Philadelphia green jersey. Yeah, and, um, I'll, and I'm, and I'm going to mention this guy, and we all know my feelings towards this guy because I thought he was playing out of position here, but Rasul Douglas. He is ranking out at the 10th best corner in football right now. He's playing in a system. The, the, the Panthers realized what he could do, and that's how they're playing him. We saw, the, we saw that play last week against the Bengals where it was third and, what, 15 or something like that. The Eagles played that stupid-ass sticks defense. And what did the Bengals do? Dropped it off to, I think it was Bernard or Mixon, and he just followed the receivers, got a first down, and they got into field goal range. Like, start I, when, I, when I see – um, Jim Schwartz called that defense. If I'm Darius Slay, if I'm Ron, Ronald McLeod, Ronnie McLeod, no, like play up. Stop with this BS of playing the sticks defense. It doesn't work. It has never worked for us. So, and you got to find a way, find out what works for players and put them in that position because it's not, it, they're not getting what they should get out of these talent, out, out of these players who are talented. We, we know that Russell Douglas has great ball skills. I still think he's a better safety than he is a corner. And that's what I kind of thought the, the Panthers would have done for him. But they realized, look, he's a better, you know, what you say all the time, he's better playing up in somebody's face. So what do they do? They have him playing up in somebody's face. And the Eagles mm-hmm. just couldn't realize that because they cannot evaluate talent. Yeah, 100%. I mean, at the end of the day, to see Darius Slay playing like five, 10 yards off is a joke. You get mm-hmm. a number one cornerback, a coverage corner to play up. And I mean, look at Avante Maddox. He's getting burned. He's getting killed. And now he's out for a couple weeks, of course, as in typical Philly fashion. Struggling. Yeah, about, we, I mentioned, I mentioned the wide receivers. The corners are in just bad shape. We have Darius Slay who got hurt last week, but came back into the game and finished really strong, made a couple of big tackles. But Trevon, Tra- Tra- I think it's Trevon or Trevor Williams is Trevor out. Williams. Trevor Williams is out. Alante Maddox is out. So you have Darius Slay, Cravon LeBlanc, Nikel Roby Coleman. This is where I'm you're gonna think I'm crazy. Move Jalen Mills back to corner. If Will Parks is back, because he could come off of the the um he's able to come off of IR soon. Put Will Parks back at safety. Kevon Wallace, I don't know why he's not on the field. Maybe he doesn't know the if he if he just doesn't know the playbook, that's another because we, we thought highly of the Kevon Wallace pick. If he doesn't, if he can't pick up on the, on this playbook quickly enough, is that another misjudgment of talent? Um, you know, what are we seeing from this? I hate seeing Marcus Epps out in the field. I want to mm-hmm. see Kevon Wallace. I want to see what we have with some of these young guys. And we're getting to that point where the season is going to be lost. It might as well just throw the young guys out there. We haven't seen Davion Taylor has played zero 
snaps on defense. I hate seeing Nate Jerry out on the field. He is a massive liability in coverage. He misses too many tackles. He's always out of position. You know, I want to see a TJ Edwards, Davion Taylor, Sean Bradley linebacker coach. Just let me see it because they can't be as bad as Nate Jerry. Yeah, I mean, to return to the, the, to the cornerbacks, I mean, for, for me, at this point, if you've been playing the sticks defense and you've been constantly playing off defense and it continues to fail you, I think you have to start to play up. The reason that we built so much in the trenches and tried to build it through the trenches is because if you have those guys who can play the most effective ways, if you're creating that pressure with the front four, and we saw it year over year that the cornerbacks became our Achilles heel, is that... If you have those guys who can play up as well on cornerback, that gives you that extra three, four seconds because you get that five-yard window where you can play you can play a little bit of hands game and you can create, give that extra additional time that the defensive line needs to create that pressure. And that was one of the reasons we got Slay. And that was one of the reasons I loved Rasul Douglas because he took full advantage of those first five yards where you have that little bit of a window. And if the defensive line could create that pressure, you rarely would have had to worry about Rasul Douglas, especially if he's covering a wide receiver two and not a wide receiver one for a change. Um, so for me, it's extremely frustrating to watch because at this point, for when you're looking at Jim Schwartz, and I love Jim Schwartz, and I think he's done a really good job at times with this defense, but in third down positions or long, in long situations, he absolutely murders us. He's terrible. He kills us. Um, you from from his standpoint like you have to change it up you have to change your strategy you have a lockdown corner you have Avante Maddox who was doing not great but I mean you could probably play him in a better way where he might succeed but you have to remember not everyone has to play the same if Darius Slay's playing up you don't have to have Avante Maddox playing up you don't have to have Nickel Roby Coleman playing if these guys can't play that way you have to learn to play to your players strengths and that's the same in, in the linebacking core because that's going to be interesting this with George Kittle's back we let Tyler Higby look like Travis Kelsey and George Kittle just a couple weeks back so it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with that linebacking core because there was so much praise about, oh, they're so athletic. Oh, they're decent in coverage, their projects, but but their ability to go from one end of the field to the other end of the field or side to side is is impeccable. Well, then let's see that. Let's, let's, let's see other people because Nigeria is not impeccable. He is not the guy that you want there. He is not the epitome of a, of a coverage linebacker or any type of linebacker in the NFL right now. Um, and that, that's, what's frustrating for me is because you're playing all these guys to a specific model of defense that you, Jim Schwartz likes, but that doesn't necessarily match the player, all the player's strengths. And he needs to learn that every player has a different type of strength and every player needs to be utilized in that defense differently, but you can definitely continue to play the four, three, but you have to match that 4-3 to the strengths of the people you have going out on the field. Well, they have no choice but to play the 4-3 because they have too many, They put too much money in the defensive tackle position. So you, you ain't going to throw just have Fletcher Cox out I there. I could never imagine a Jim Schwartz defense not 4-3. So I'm, oh, well, I, I, I did not like, expect the change to 3-4. There, there's been talk of if they were to fi- get rid of Jim Schwartz, who would you bring in? Like a Wade Phillips, he's a 3-4 guy. Like there's a bunch of – three, four guys that are, that are available. And I've never been a fan of the three, four defense. That's just me personally. I would much prefer, but with the personnel we have, we kind of have, we're stuck with the four, three, which I'm fine with. We just need to put them in a, in a better position. And I want oh crap. I wanted to say something, but I can't remember. Oh, you were talking about how we made Tyler Higby look like Kelsey and Kittle. I don't care that Nick Mullins is playing quarterback this week. Kittle will abuse Nate Jerry. It's no if, ands, or buts about it. There is zero chance that Nate that Nate Jerry stops George Kittle. So that could get ugly, which we'll get into in a little bit. But I want to get back quickly to, to this game. I want to talk about the cowardice at the end of the game. It was cowardly to play for a tie. That you could see it that that's what the the Philadelphia Eagles and, and Doug Peterson were doing. They had he had zero trust in his quarterback, who yes, he didn't have a great game, but in the fourth quarter on that game tying drive. He used his le- excuse me. He used his legs, and I was um, watching the game with Shane, and, and we looked at each other, and he had brought up a good point. He said, maybe Carson getting out of the pocket, scoring that touchdown on the run, maybe that's the mental hurdle he needed to get over. Um, because we remember in LA when he scored that touchdown, he got hit in the, the knee and, and tore his ACL, and he hasn't been right ever since. 
hopefully now, while he's not as limber and he's not, he's a, he's a big guy, 6'4", 6'5". Doesn't really, I'm not saying he's going to be, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes running out there, but maybe he'll start using his legs more to help the offense. You know, Carson, and I saw this stat and I was, and, and I couldn't believe it. The only quarterback with a QB rating under 70 in a clean pocket with a clean pocket is who? Carson Wentz. And that just seems so mind-boggling because we heard all this stuff coming out of the draft when he got drafted, and we saw it in 2017, how you know how he can read defenses and he can put the ball where it needs to go and he can do this, he can do that. But we haven't seen it in the last couple of years. And, you know, he, he's missing – he had um, – Miles Sanders up against a linebacker, did a double move, had him open, threw it out of bounds. He's not giving his receivers a chance to make plays on the ball when he throws the ball downfield. And if he could start doing that, that could change the entire complexion of this offense. You know, and maybe Doug will start getting more creative because he has been very vanilla with the offensive play calls that he's called. It's always that dumb, you know, on we know on first down they throw it. When they don't when they have an incompletion, second down it's a run under, from under center. And then third down it's a it's a running back screen or a tight end screen. Like we can call the plays. If we can do it, you know, as as regular people, you, what do you think defensive coordinators that get paid millions of bucks notice in the NFL? So he needs to get more creative and stop with the same boring offense that he's been that he's been calling over the last, you know, over the, this year and even at the beginning of last year. Yeah, I mean, I know we want to touch on more about uh, Carson Wentz and his struggles, and I mean, who who's to really blame? I mean, Doug Peterson isn't helping him, but Carson Wentz isn't helping himself either. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you look at it, he's number one in, in danger plays, which means he's also putting his own players at risk, and he's number two among quarterbacks for interceptable passes. And each week I say that, that people are like, I think it was week one, people were like, oh, John Hightower, he's not that good or the, the frustration with John Hightower. Look at the uh, tr- times that Carson Wentz tried to turn to John Hightower. Double coverage, tight windows. This man's a rookie. He had no preseason. What are you trying to prove by throwing into a tight window? That's what you do with Zach Ertz. That's what you do with Dallas Goddard. That's what you do with Deshaun Jackson, not with that rookie quarterback who did not get a preseason. And that was really frustrating because a lot of people are trying to write John Hightower off after week one. But I completely disagree. I think if you go back and look at some of the plays he tried, he put a lot of dangerous plays on John Hightower and a lot of interceptable throws, one that was even intercepted. So for me, he's not helping himself, but he's not necessarily getting the support. I mean, at this point, the line, the the offensive line is pretty much a write-off. Yes, we have Lane Johnson. Yes, we have Jason Peters. If you want to say Jason Peters is Bro, an advantage. he was awful last He was an extreme liability against Dunlap last week, or when he was up against Dunlap. But um, and then Lane Johnson's there, but otherwise, and, and Kelsey's there, but otherwise. The, it's clearly shown that the left side of the line is in trouble and the guards are in trouble and Kelsey can't do it by himself in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, they're not helping, but they're not actually the worst. Uh, I, I was watching uh, Mike Greenberg on ESPN, and, and they uh, he, actually has, he actually said that the Eagles have the number five offensive line for protection rate. So Compared, they're not... Who, who said that? I mean... I know Mike Greenberg said it, but where's he getting that from? Must be ESPN somewhere, because I was looking around, but like everywhere as you look, there's a di- there's a different stat. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, like you look at it. I I looked at Football Outsiders, and it's twenty uh, twenty second ranked pass pro, seven point nine percent sack rate. The average is six point seven. Um, but I mean, it, again, and then you look at the decision making. It keeps coming back to the decision making with Carson Wentz. This is not the Carson Wentz that almost won the MVP a few years back. There's something mentally up there. Like he has to get out of the pocket. His decision making is way better when he moves out of the pocket. And the fact that Doug Peterson has gone three weeks and not yet realized that is so frustrating. Build that. It's Doug Peterson and Jim Schwartz are running the same thing every week. You can almost see it. The mm-hmm. game plan is the exact same. It's like they think they're going out and they're playing the Washington Redskins every week because that's the same game plan that they came with against the Washington – oh, sorry, Washington football team uh, in week one. It looks like the same playbook, the same plays, the same attempt to force plays every single week. And – that is extremely frustrating, and I mean, but but like Carson Wentz's decision making continues to come into question because he's a league high six interceptions, 
fourth in sacks. He's been sacked 11 times. But let's remember, I would say at least five of those sacks are on him, holding the ball too long, not getting out of the pocket. The pocket collapses and he turtles. Um, And his QBR and his passer rating ranked 31st and 33rd. Just so you know, passer rating 33rd, there are 32 32 starting quarterbacks. quarterbacks. Like, that's really bad. That's pathetic. Carson Wentz is – it's – we talk about who's failing who. Carson Wentz is failing himself. Howie Roseman is failing Carson Wentz. Doug Peterson is failing Carson Wentz. It all comes back to Carson Wentz. But at the end of the day, Carson Wentz isn't standing out and looking like the franchise quarterback we need right now. Am I saying call him for his job like three quarters of Philadelphia Eagles fans are right now? No. He definitely is better. You put Jalen Hurts out there and you think the situation's getting any better. You haven't been watching Eagles football. I agree with you. Now, you just mentioned a lot how three quarters of the fan base is calling for Carson Wentz's job. At what point in time would you, Connor, allow Jalen Hurts to play? And I and I'm not talking about coming in for a play here and there, you know, because we haven't seen him throw. We saw him run the ball last week. Uh, he also had that fumble when trying to run the RPO with Miles. But at what point in time you throw him out there for a series, for two series, for a quarter, for a half? Like, are we are we talking about if they hit the, you know, if they lose the next three against San Fran, Pittsburgh, and Baltimore, and you get to the Giants game because we all know that the Giants are as big, if not bigger, of a dumpster fire than the Eagles right now? Or are you is this Carson Wentz's season, and we get to to next year and hopefully a couple preseason games? to see what Jalen Hurts can do in a, in a, like with a compliment, like having full series or full quarters, full halves to play. I think, I think that you can give him the chance if things get ugly. So I know things look bad so now, what, but I what mean, is ugly I mean, for you? What is ugly I, for you? I mean, in the situation that you're in a game and you're beyond the point, like you're down three scores in the fourth quarter, Put him out there for the fourth quarter. Mask the fact that you're putting him out and just be like, I don't want Carson Wentz to get hurt. Why why, why rock? Why walk him out there? The Baltimore Ravens game has all the makings of looking exactly like that hey, That type could be of like game. when McNabb, McNabb got benched for Kevin Cobb and then McNabb started. That was back in 08. McNabb had a bad game against Baltimore, got benched for Cobb in the second half. Cobb didn't play very well. The Eagles had a Thursday night game the week after, which... By the way, uh, which, by the way, after Baltimore, the Eagles have a Thursday night game against uh, the Giants. But um, so they had a Thursday night game against Arizona. McNabb started towards them. They went to the NFC Championship game that year. So you think, and I'm not saying that if they were to do that, that that's what's going to happen. But because like, I'm thinking, if they get to the bye, because before the bye they played the Dallas Cowboys on a Sunday night, they get embarrassed against Dallas, and I, that's a home game on Sunday night football. Then they get a bye, and you have that week to where you could put a game plan together for Jalen Hurts and maybe have him start after the bye. But you think it could be before then? Uh, first of all, the fact that you think that Doug Peterson is going to build a specific game plan to Jalen Hurts is, is humorous at he best right for, now. He did it for, but he did it for Nick Foles. He did it, he yes, doesn't absolutely. Do, he doesn't do it for Carson Wentz, which bothers the hell out of me, but he does it for his backup quarterbacks. Absolutely. absolutely, I agree, because if you see it right, you know what? Carson Wentz and Nick Foles are so similar in the style of play that if you just run RPOs with Carson Wentz and let Carson Wentz make the decisions and do his thing, he will do extremely well. Does Carson like to run RPOs, though? Like, I heard, and I don't know how true this, but, like, I heard he doesn't want to, he didn't want to run the Nick Foles offense, which is primarily RPOs. Like, does Carson even like to do that is the big question. I actually think his best offense is... Um, a no huddle. He's actually been at his best in a no huddle where he's calling the plays and it's up tempo and he comes to the line and Doug Peterson gives him two options and he calls his own play. I I think he likes to run his own offense because he knows what's best for him and Doug Peterson doesn't know what's best for him. And that's what Aaron Rodgers does and pretend that his mic is out and calls his own plays. (laughs) Pretty much. That's what I'm thinking. Or say, give me two options. I'm calling the play. I'm calling the shots. But yeah, I do agree in that in that mentality that I think if you start running the RPOs, he's not going to like it for the sheer fact that he would be running a Nick Foles-like offense. But if it works for him, then you have the options because when you're running the RPO, it's run or it's pass or mm-hmm. it's the quarterback option out. So you do have 
three different types of place that play calls and play styles that you might be able to run in that situation, which is why I think it works for Wentz because the more options for Carson Wentz, the better for Carson Wentz. I think the more options he has in his mind that he can do at the line of scrimmage and that he can change at the line of scrimmage. That's better for Carson Wentz. Um, but back to Jalen Hurts, honestly, I, at this point, you it's, if Peterson's going to do it, it's going to be to mask something. Carson Wentz is coming out because it's a blowout game. You don't want to hurt your starting quarterback. You don't want to hurt your franchise quarterback. Let's throw Jalen Hurts out there for a quarter or whatever. Fourth quarter, down by three scores. Why not put Jalen Hurts you out do. there? But I don't think you will see him start right. or play with the intent of taking Carson Wentz's so, job. Going back to what you just said about masking it, you do know if, say, that were to happen and – Hertz comes in in the fourth quarter and leads like two scoring drives. That week is going to be hell for Carson Wentz in terms of if he listens. To, I doubt he listens to sports radio, but the calls that I are going to go into WIP and the Fanatic here are going to be start Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts needs to be out there. Hurts fits the offense better. If that happens, I think it's a no. It's a no-win situation for Carson Wentz, regardless. Like if he were to just like you said, mask it. If if Doug was like, look, we don't want to get you hurt. We're gonna put, we're gonna just let um, Hertz get some playing time and let him get a feel, just in case some like down the road he needs to. It's a no-win situation for Carson Wentz because regardless of what Jalen Hurts does, it, it'll be Doug has no faith in him. Or if Hertz goes out there and leads a couple scoring drives, even if they lose, but he looks good in the offense, it's gonna be Hertz fits the offense better. He needs to be playing. A hundred percent. And I mean, but, but no matter what, whether you play once and you continue to play once or whether you put Hertz in or whether you mask it with a Hertz for one quarter and he looks good, Philly radio is going to rip him, is going to rip Wentz, is going to rip Peterson, is going to rip literally, and he, they're going to rip Hertz if he doesn't work out. Because if Hertz doesn't work Actually, out, they're going to be like, oh, what a bust of a pick. Yeah, maybe. But, but I also, like I mentioned before, the, the, the one person on the Eagles that could have used the preseason was Jalen Hurts. Like it would, this would have been the perfect year for to have actual preseason games, and of course we didn't because of because of what's going on. But like I I, I don't I think Kurt, Jalen Hurts would be on the bottom. It would be all on um, Wentz. It would be all on Peterson. And maybe Howie Roseman, depending on like you know what happened. And, and there'll be all this talk of depending on how Hurts looked, should they trade Wentz because of a his contract and b you know he just he doesn't fit and and. If, and I also do think if they were to do that and and Hurts look good, I don't know if Wentz would be able to succeed here anymore. Yeah, I mean, you see what, what happened with Nick Foles and when he let us, even though the reality of the situation is if you put Nick Foles in for 16 games that year, we do we do not get as far as we did. I don't oh, exactly. think. No, we don't. But, but people will be have this belief that, that Jalen Hurts could do that, just like people have the belief that well, Nick Foles definitely would have led us for 16 games. We definitely would have made the Super Bowl. And we're definitely win that Super Bowl no matter what that year. Um, you you are correct in that way that I don't think Carson Wentz could succeed if Jalen Hurts gets the opportunity. And that's why I do believe that it's only to mask a situation and that this is Carson Wentz's year. And you will not see Jalen Hurts play a full game unless it's week 16 and we are long gone or week 15 and 16. 16 and 17 when we are long gone out of the playoffs if so if that would be the situation because then you obviously with the the salary cap restraints you have why not see what you have but then i can 100 percent tell you right now carson Wentz goes to another team and he will 100 percent blow up he will 100 percent succeed because that Indianapolis is the with Mike of, probably probably and you know what he would do there he would 100% succeed. Mm-hmm. They have one. They have one of the best offensive lines. They have so many weapons, although they're pretty mangled at wide receiver right now. But hey, welcome to the club. And <laughs> he's then he's, they got we look. They got Jonathan Taylor. They got Naheem Hines for the future. It would. It is the perfect success story for Carson Wentz to go and say, give the old middle finger to Philadelphia and the fan base. But I don't think that's happening. Yeah. Well, yeah, probably not. But but we'll see. And let's let's be honest. This um, th- this Carson Wentz debate is not over. It never will be over. We will probably talk about it every week, and I think it's going to become even more prominent these next three weeks because there is a super realistic chance, and we have three. to be honest, we go 0-5-1 and one yeah. heading into Week 7. Which is the Giants on Thursday night. All right, uh, speaking of, 
the next week. Let's talk about the San Francisco 49ers, who may be as crippled as the Philadelphia Eagles. Jimmy Garoppolo's out. Uh, George Kittle will play. Uh, Raheem Mostert's out. Nick Bosa and Solomon Thomas are out. Um, yeah, they, they, they have a lot of injury issues like us, the defending NFC champions. But they're going to be at home. It's Sunday night football. The Eagles are going to be playing in front of a nationally televised crowd. I wish this game could get flexed because I do not want to stay up late to watch the Eagles lose, possibly. Um, but what are your feelings going into this game? I, You know, the one thing over the last couple of years that when the Eagles' backs are against the wall, Doug Peterson finds a way to get his team up, to get his team right, and the, to win a game they should not win. And that's kind of the feeling I'm getting with this game right here against the San Francisco 49ers. Um, well, considering I'm the post-game recap writer, it sucks for me, too, because I have to stay up. And <laughs> oh, I and also you're an hour a, ahead. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm an hour and ahead, and I have a baby to feed. So I'll oh. probably be up to, like, 12, 30, 1 o'clock post the thing, and he's going to wake up for his night feed. So, yeah, yeah, gonna uh, that, that's gonna, yeah that'll be a rough <laughs> night for me. Uh, thank God we probably won't be in that time slot often because they're going to be like, what's the point in putting them there? But, Dude, um, speaking of that, before, before, we're not going to be – so we have the Niners at – Sunday night football. Then we have the Giants on Thursday night football. Then we have the Cowboys on Sunday night football. Then we have Seattle, I think, is a Sunday nighter game. We have a lot of 820 games coming up. Just saying. Yeah, well, th- thank you. Thank you. I'm just, I just things, to- things to look forward to. <laughs> <'Cause-> <laughs> um, but yeah, they are beat up. But one thing that, could, that I noticed, their offense is getting healthy. And it's not a good time for them to get healthy because we needed them to be out those weapons. Raheem mm-hmm. Mostert's back this week. Debo George Kittle's back, back is, this is week. Is Mostert back? I thought he wasn't he, playing this they week. Said, they said he's back. So okay. they say that they're, they say they're dressing. These two are dressing, but they have talked about them all having lesser roles than what they would in the general offense. So you got Mostert back. You got Debo Samuel back. And your tight end, George Kobach. So you're getting your RB1, your wide receiver one, and your tight end one on paperback this week. Obviously, um, Shanahan said that uh, Kittle probably wouldn't play his prominent Kittle role. Debo wouldn't play the prominent Debo role. And Mostert, well, that's up for debate because you never know when that, that offense, which running back is going to get the uh, the bulk of the work. Um, but, uh, yeah, this does have all the makings of a game that is definitely winnable. But, like, this is a really good chance for Carson Wentz to become confident. They, I think they're still with, they're without Richard Sherman again. So you're out your CB1. Uh-huh. You're out pretty much your defensive end one, defensive end two, defensive tackle one, defensive tackle two. You're pretty much in a position where they're out a lot of their key number one players. Yeah, so there's there's a, a really, the offensive line should, have, should not give up as much pressure as they've been giving up lately. Definitely not. Um, the, and so this feels like a really good Carson Wentz comeback game. Of course, then you go to the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are be a super stingy top-end defense, and the Baltimore Ravens, who are super stingy top-end defense with a top-end offense. Um, but this has the makings of like a confidence-boosting game. I mean, I felt the Bengals was, but uh, yeah, but I digress on that point. Um, <laughs> but this 49ers, it has the makings of that. Carson Wentz needs to take advantage of the fact that this is a really depleted defense and that he's basically playing a bunch of number twos across the defense, which was basically playing a bunch of number threes against the Bengals. But it's, it has a, the opportunity to really be a Carson Wentz comeback game and a Doug Peterson, like, prove it game. Because if we go 0-5-1 and in this next stretch... Howie Roseman has a lot of tough decisions to make because people aren't going to be okay with him sitting on the players and sitting on the contracts he has for the rest of the season just for namesake or just for the sake of of salvaging this season or thinking, well, we might be able to go 10-5-1 and, and win 10 in a row. Because at the point, if you're 0-5-1, you're not winning 10 in a row. Yeah, you're not. And if you think about it, you know, it just... And if you look, you want to look forward. I mean, Pittsburgh's going to have a bye. They have a bye because their game, COVID, got, uh, is mangling Tennessee right now. Um, so Pittsburgh's not playing this week. So Pittsburgh gets an extra rest. You're kind of on a short week. It's a Sunday game, but it's Sunday night, and you have to travel. Again, it is Pittsburgh, so you're still in the same state. But you don't realize how far of a, well, they are on. Would they fly to Pittsburgh? 
I think they would fly to Pittsburgh. Um, oh, they probably. Oh, yeah. I think. Well, maybe they bus it. Bus I don't know. They, they pretty safe. Uh, I mean, they're professional. They, they get their own plane if they fly. So we'll see. But no, like, so they they obviously can't look forward, but they have to to be smart about it. And you know, I'm gonna jump right into to, to like what I'm looking at matchup. When we faced the Rams, what was the one thing that killed the Eagles? Movement on the offense, crossing routes, and matching up Higby to, to Jerry. If there's one team in the NFL that move, that that is a lot of pre-snap motion that does crossing routes more than the Rams, it's the Niners. The Niners are going to look at that Rams film against the Eagles and use that. That's going to be their offense. And are the Eagles going to adjust to it? Probably not because I have zero faith in, in Jim Schwartz to adjust. If you're going to keep Nate Jerry out there, there's no way he's stopping uh, George Kittle. I don't care if George Kittle's 110% or if he's 60%. I will still take a 60% George Kittle over a Nate Jerry anytime on the field. So the Eagles are going to have to find a way to get pressure on Nick Mullins and, and not allow him to, to be able to read and scan the field. Because if he's able to, there's zero chance that the Eagles are going to be able to stop this Niners offense unless, you know, I mean, they'll avoid Darius Slay because Darius Slay has been the best part of this defense for the Eagles is Darius Slay. Darius Slay has been really good all year. They've they've gotten their money's worth out of him. I wish we had 11 Darius Slays on offense, on defense, excuse me. Um, If we had 11 Darius Slays, I wouldn't have an issue with our defense, obviously, but we don't. Mm -hmm. We have one and he's doing his job. Everybody else is not. Yeah. And I mean, you, you kind you kind of alluded their key matchup there as well with the offensive line versus the defensive line because Philadelphia's pass protection ranks 22nd while San Fran's ranks 20th and their act their run blocking ranks 31st so this is a really good opportunity for that front four that we have so much money invested in to really get some pressure and to really help out because the last couple weeks last week they looked a little bit better but against the Rams where there was multiple running backs being used at all times and a fresh running back out there every time we got murdered we were not looking anything like the the pass uh the the uh the run defense that we've looked like in prior years where we ranked in the top of the league we definitely don't rank there this year and we're definitely not at the rate we're going but this is a team to take advantage of and especially with Nick Mullins who isn't a bad quarterback but is definitely no Jimmy Garoppolo you have an opportunity to really take advantage of the fact that they're missing their starting quarterback and that their offensive line is definitely not great by any stretch of the imagination um so i mean this is good i mean when you look at uh, san francisco they have a stuffed rank where they rank 31st they get stuffed on 29 percent of their runs that spells a, a beautiful matchup for our front four especially a guy like malik jackson and brandon graham two of the biggest positives on the defensive mm-hmm. side of the ball in my opinion this year fletcher cox has been really good fletcher cox has been fletcher cox but you know fletcher cox is that guy who steps in in the timely situation yeah, he doesn't make flash gets, plays all the time. yeah he doesn't make the flash plays whereas brandon graham's been flashing malik jackson's been flashing but that's what we expected when we brought those guys in because or what even with brandon graham who's been there because fletcher cox is that guy who just clogs a hole he takes double the double teams he takes two people and he opens somebody up to get that pressure and that person seemingly has been malik jackson and brandon graham this season so this is a really good chance for them I could say it's a Derek Barnett game, but I've been saying it's a Derek Barnett <laughs> game now for, for two years. So I'm just not going to continue to say that. I'm going to say it's a Brandon Graham and a Malik Jackson game and even a Javon Hargrave. Javon Hargrave's probably still not at 100%. But when you look at this uh, matchup against this offensive line, this could be, even if you're playing at 75, 80, 85% of your full capacity, you might still be able to have a really good game and start proving to us what we paid for. Yeah, and they need to get their money's worth. They need their leaders to step up. Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, uh, Ronnie McLeod. They all need to step up. The Eagles' defense has zero turnovers this year. Zero. We need to find a way to get the offense a short field. We say it a lot, but it, it, it's all serious. The def- the, while the offense hasn't helped the defense out, especially in that Washington game, the defense needs to start helping the offense out. I get it. Three and outs are good, but you're still forcing a punt. I want a turnover and give the Eagles offense a short field. That could get Carson Wentz some some confidence. And if they could score, you know, first, hopefully, um, you know, maybe get the, the opposing team down. If, you, if the Eagles offense could score first and then the the, um, the Niners offense goes on the field and they turn, turn them all over and then the Eagles come out and score again, 
you're jumping out to a two score lead and maybe the things change on the, um, you know, on the sideline, like the Eagles seem to just that energy that was, that's been there the last couple of years just doesn't seem there. So hopefully the Eagles are able to do, to do that. And if you force a turnover, help the offense, get them some confidence. And then we can finally see a full 60 minute team game put together. I mean, at, at the end of the day, like we, you talk about that and I just actually pulled up offensive yards per drive and defensive yards given up per drive. We actually rank number four in defensive yards per drive. Our defense is doing way better than people want to give them them. Oh, that I'm not saying they're confidence bad. They're just to, not but then turnovers. flip side, flip they're not forcing turnovers, but the fact that they're only giving up twenty seven yards is a really, really good thing. Um, and then you look at the flip side of the ball, and Philadelphia ranks twenty eighth in their offensive yards per drive. They average getting twenty eight yards per drive, but I mean that's that's not good that's not enough especially when your defense is stepping up but I mean obviously the defense has also had really short fields to play with often because of Carson Wentz's decision making and turnovers on the offensive side of the ball but I do agree we need to start forcing some turnovers and up against Nick Mullins that's probably the easiest quarterback you have yet this year to face I mean debatable Dwayne Haskins but I think Nick Mullins is worse than Dwayne Haskins so that is somebody that you should definitely you should definitely take advantage of and and you should definitely take advantage of the fact that not everybody is 100% and and use that against them so um i would agree with you though there there needs to step in instead of the fact that you're doing so good at at all, allowing minimal yards per drive on the defensive side of the ball you definitely need to force those turnovers you yes. definitely we definitely have to start seeing that and the offense has to start producing you can't produce 28 yards per drive when you're starting out on, I think, I don't even know, but the average start positions, like their own, somewhere's around their own 30, I think. If you're always starting at your own 30 and you're getting 28 yards, guess you're what? You're barely making, range. yeah, you're barely making the middle of the field every time you take a drive. So the offense definitely, it goes both ways. Defense needs to force turnovers. Offense just has to goddamn produce. Yeah, we need to see some sustained drives. We need to finally see some creativity uh, from the offense. All right, before we get to our selection, let's move to our, uh, one of our new segments, which I thoroughly enjoy, the unheralded player of the week in the National Football League. Look at every game. Somebody not not a big name. Uh, I want to see. Uh, I want to know somebody who you think had a really good game last week in the National Football League. Who's your player? Unheralded player of the week. I I hate to do this because he's a cowboy, but the comeback story is just too good. Alden Smith is an absolute monster this year right now like I would have taken an Alden Smith over over like Derek Barnett right now the pressure this man's creating and I know that last week he played the worst offensive line he could possibly play so he was looking really good up against um up against uh, Seattle but I mean you look at last week three sacks two tackles for a lot for a loss one pass defended four QB hits but then you look at his overall season he leads the NFL with four sacks he's got 20 tackles which is on pace for to smash every all of his career average, three tackles for loss and six QB hits in only three games. This is an impressive comeback story. And he leads the league that, in sacks right now. Yeah, this is an impressive comeback story. It really is a really impressive comeback story, and I don't think it gets as, as much attention as it, as it deserves. And I know that he's a cowboy, so I might catch flack for bringing this up on the episode. But man, you can't. That this is good. He hasn't played football since 2015, and he looks fresh as can be for a 31 year old defensive end. Yeah, when you ha- when you don't play for that long, that, that happens, and we'll see if he can keep it up for the entire. Year. Hopefully, he doesn't keep it up for the entire year. The, or at uh, least not against us. At least That's not true. against us. That's true. If he's going up against Jason Peters, who the heck knows now? Mayan is, and this guy, it hurts me to say just because um, he could have been an Eagle. I don't know if I wanted him to be an Eagle, but he showed out last week. Justin Jefferson. Seven catches, 175 yards, a touchdown, and they moved him from the slot to the outside where I didn't think he could play because I thought he was strictly a slot receiver. Yeah, he proved me wrong. He had a huge game for the Vikings last week. Even though the Vikings are a, a dumpster fire right now as well, um, he had a great and, – and while our number one overall pick is uh, on IR right now, while our other receiver, John Hightower, was out all week with illness, while Quez Watkins just came off of the IR. We, uh, an, another player who got drafted after the Eagles selected 
showing out, showing out for his current team. Justin Jefferson had a huge game for the Vikings last week. And again, I wasn't, I'm glad we didn't take him because I wasn't that big on Justin Jefferson. Still not, but he showed, he had a really, really good game last week. Definitely. No, I completely agree. You knew the game was going to come. You knew the blow up game was going to come. And it was just and it had a to be that, the, the, like last week was just bad, bad for Eagles fans. You tie the Bengals. Nick Foles throws three fourth quarter touchdowns. Jeff, Justin Jefferson has 175 yards. DK Metcalf has a bit like everything like that, that, that the Eagles didn't want that, that Eagles fans probably didn't want to see happen happened last week. Yeah, definitely. It would. Man, you, but but I mean, you're always going to see that. We're always going to sit there. And you know what? We would have drafted uh, Justin Jefferson. And he Carson would be on Wentz IR wouldn't, right He'd either be on IR or Carson Wentz just wouldn't be able to find him or they wouldn't be gelling or whatever the issue might be. So, I mean, at the end of the day, we can sit there and we can say, oh, well, we should have drafted him. Hindsight's twenty twenty. I still like the Jalen Rager pick. It just sucks that the man got this freak accident in his thumb that's mm-hmm. going to sideline him for at least four weeks. It's just freak accidents that happen with with a lot of these players, and I just don't understand. Um, we can continue to call for the jobs of all our medical staff, but I just don't think it's going to do it. You look around the league, this we have issues with injuries on a good year. The entire league is having issues with injuries, so you know the Eagles are going to be tops in the leagues mm-hmm. for injuries and players on the IR in a league where everybody's having issues with injuries. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. That all right. Now we're down to the pick segment. Philadelphia Eagles Sunday Night Football in front of a nationally televised audience. We'll see who watches what. What game gets watched more? That or the NBA Finals Game Three um, against the San Francisco 49ers. Connor, give me uh, kind of what you're looking forward in the game and your prediction. You are o two and one. I am one one and one. Um. Well, for me, um. I kind of alluded to the offensive, the 49ers offensive line versus that defensive line as a big matchup, but on the offensive side of the ball, and I lied, it's not Raheem Mostert back this week, it's Jarek McKinnon, sorry. So yeah, Jarek McKinnon is I, back, I, and Jarek McKinnon Should I start playing. McKinnon in fantasy, by the way, because I have him. Man, you know what? I If they get him out, see, the issue with Jarek McKinnon is if they get him outside and he gets up against our running back or our linebackers, yeah. 100%, you, you, you know you want to start the guy. But obviously, I think there's better options out there. Um, but for me, it's it's going to be looking at the the tight, end, the tight end and running back versus our linebackers because you got George Kittle, you got Jerick McKinnon, you got two guys who create a ton of – and even Jordan Reed. You got guys who can create a ton of, of for themselves. George Kittle is a yak monster constantly, the number one yards after the catch tight end in the league. And our defense – our linebackers couldn't make a tackle to save their life still. And Jerick McKinnon, he's a slippery when wet type of guy as well. So he's the type of guy who can create for himself as well if he gets in the open field. And I think – I saw the uh, 49ers actually, when they're in the open field, their running backs rank number two in the league. So when they get in the open field, they make people miss and they make big plays happen. So Jarek McKinnon can definitely be somebody to watch. So that's something I'm watching on the other flip side of the ball. The uh, offense for, for the uh, 49ers is George Kittle and Jarek McKinnon's return up against our linebackers. Um as far as a prediction goes, oof, if there is a game we're winning in the next three, this is the one I want to predict and call a victory because I really don't know about the Steelers and the Ravens and the way Wentz is playing and the way our offense is playing because those are two really good defenses. Uh, so we have to take advantage of this defense and the injuries that have mounted against them. Um, wow. Um, I, wow. Like I, I want to say it's going to be a shootout, but I don't think it's going to be a shootout. I don't think that, that the offenses are good enough for a shootout. Um, but I think I'm, I th- I'm going 24, 21 and I'm going Eagles because that, like what? I said, I think, I think this is a game in the next three where we're winning. Cause I can guarantee you right now, I'm going to pick against them when they play the Steelers. I'm going to pick against them when they play the Ravens. You already, I'm already, I'm already giving you a prelude to my uh, predictions in the next two weeks. This is the one we're going to get. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm with you when it comes to the matchups um, for the Niners offense when you can get a George Kittle or a Jarek McKinnon up against our linebackers because our linebackers have zero talent, it seems like, especially Nate Jerry playing 100% of the snaps. It's, it just doesn't make sense. You know, Nigel Bradham's still out there. I would just bring him in. I don't care. 
Um, give us somebody that has some oomph, somebody that has muscle in that middle that can that can command respect from an opposing offense. Um, and I know he has he wasn't that that great for us, but still, I, I don't care. Um, for our offense, I, I give the ball to Miles Sanders. Let Miles run. Um, help. But did you see, did you see, I just want to step in a minute there and say, did you see that they actually said that Boston Scott and Clement may have a bigger role because there's some concern with Miles Sanders, who's been dealing with hamstring and and quad or something. So I did not see that. And if I just, I saw that yesterday that they, that Miles Sanders has been limited or not practicing for much of the week due to the continuation carryover of the injury that, that kept him out in week one. Gotta be kidding me. This is where you need to go out and get a legit number two running back because I don't trust Boston Scott and I don't trust Corey Clement to to be the focal point of a running game. When we saw what happened week one, Boston Scott was out of position on blitzes from from the linebackers for Washington. Like he is not a good. I I, I look. I know you are high. You've been high on on Boston Scott, but and I think you agreed with me when I said this. We need a legit number two running back. Four situations like this when Miles Sanders can't play. That's what well, we need. No, I, I agreed with the fact that if Miles Sanders isn't in, Boston Scott's not the RB1. If Miles Sanders is in, Boston Scott's a 100% a viable RB2. 100%. Yeah, but if, if, if Miles Sanders is going to be, um, I don't want to use the word like held down, withheld. If he's not going to be used, then what's the point of having an RB1 that's not going to be used? That means your number two is going to be technically... You're number one. Like, I, I just don't – I'm not a big Boston Scott fan. I can't stand Boston Scott. I don't think – I think last year that Giants game was just an anomaly. Um, so, yeah, they needed to legit bring in, like, a, a, a Devontae Freeman, but Freeman went to the Giants because Saquon got hurt. So, good, I get it. And um, then Lamar Miller just signed with the Bears. Yeah, so Lamar Miller they've... signed on the Bears practice squad. So, like, they need – I know that the, the, this is where the Eagles need to be proactive. Should have been proactive. Should have somebody – on the practice squad, or should have had a backup that they could legit trust, that somebody that could go in there when my, if something were to happen to Miles Sanders. Um, but to my to back to my prediction. Um, okay, if Miles Sanders isn't going to play, I need a new offensive. <laughs> Carson, Car- I mean, he's not going to be a focal point. Carson Wentz just need needs to hit the passes that he should hit. Carson Wentz needs to be smart with the football. Um, can't turn the ball over because if you turn the ball over against this team, they're gonna they're gonna kill you. They're gonna beat you, um, and then that's what ha- what what's, could happen. Um, as much as I want to pick the Eagles, I just have zero faith right now. Again, this is if if there's a game, a time that the Eagles are gonna win, it's gonna be this one because when they when they have their backs up against the wall, Doug Peterson brings them gets them ready. They go on a cross country flight. They come out and 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 play. A, inspired football and, and find a way to win. But I just don't see it. I, this just seem, almost seems like it's about to be a lost year. So I'm going to take the 49ers 27, Eagles 17, and the Eagles fall to 0-3-1. By the way, and I want to touch on this before we uh, before we end the episode, breaking news. Yeah, I was going to say The Vikings had zero positive tests again on Friday while the Titans, Titans outbreak continues three. with another player and two staff members. Uh, so eight so lucky, players and eight staff members for the Titans right now. Yeah, lucky they have 16 practice squad players because I think they're going to be putting full use to yeah. uh, well, some of Well, their game this week against Pittsburgh got canceled. It's possibility that, that next week's game against, I think Tennessee plays the Bills next week. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, I, don't I, don't think think, it, I don't think it gets canceled, but I think we're full, finally going to see the full use. I don't know. Use. It could. It could because yeah, because, there, there, could still the, be more, there could still be more uh, people – that can be test positive over the next day, a couple of days. Yeah, because the period that you can get it is within two weeks. So at this yeah. point, the NFL really has to think like, all right, do we want to put them at risk? They need to see a couple days straight of nothing. And so far, they haven't been able to get that. So like next week, as you're leading into the game on Sunday, I think you need to see like no positives for two or three straight days to yeah. have the confidence to allow the Titans this- to play. And this is what the NFL did not want. We saw what happened in baseball when you know multiple series had to get canceled. And I don't. I think every team got to sixty games. Maybe the Cardinals didn't. Um, I, like I think a couple didn't, and they had to go by win percentage. But yeah, you can't yeah. do that in a so sixteen-game like, NFL season. Exactly. And I mean, if it, I, I don't know, 
I know that they can't. They 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 were able to cancel um, the game this week, Pittsburgh and Tennessee, and then Pittsburgh and Tennessee are going to face Week Seven, and they move Pittsburgh, Baltimore to Week Eight. But I, I don't know if you have to cancel a second game for Tennessee, how that's going to work. So this is definitely going to be intriguing stuff, stuff that we'll watch out for and see how it affects the, not only the Eagles, but the rest of the NFL. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm really interested to see. The good thing is it's just affecting one team right now, and it looks like it might just be that isolated team, which would be really good. It just sucks because they still have to have a contingency plan because when it affects that one team, it also affects in the coming weeks the team they have to yeah. play. Yeah. yeah, it affects the schedule, and um, that's for sure. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll, so we'll see what we'll see what happens. Um, I mean. As of right now, as an Eagles fan, if they were to cancel the season, we're to one. No, I'm kidding. I wouldn't say that. I don't want the NFL. <laughs> um, I still, I still hold out hope that we can make a make a make a run to the. Trust playoffs. me, it don't get better next year. You're sitting there with a fifty million dollar salary cap. So if yeah, the season gets canceled, we're sitting there and we're like, okay, so now who's getting cut? Who's getting yeah, traded? Exactly. All right. <laughs> Again, thank you for, to all our listeners for listening. Um, you can reach us on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour. Uh, Connor's at Connor T-E-N, the Connor 10, and I'm at LJ Harrell 54. Um, reach out to us um, if you have, if you want us to try to. We're, we're definitely working on getting guests for future segments. Um, the Philadelphia Eagles and the San Francisco 49ers Sunday night football this week. I picked them to lose, but I don't care. I hope I'm wrong. I want them to win. A win would go big for this Philadelphia Eagles team. Uh, Connor picking a win. And again, I don't disagree in terms of this is the type of game that the Philadelphia Eagles always find a way to win, at least under Doug Peterson over the last couple of years. This is the type of game that they find to win. For Connor, I'm LJ. Thank you for listening to the Kelly Green Hour. Fly, Eagles, fly.